What's going on, Coastal Community Church? How you guys doing today? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining us. Help me in welcoming our Lighthouse Point location is joining with us right now and everybody that's watching online. We love you guys. We're so glad you're joining with us here today. And uh, we're beginning a brand new series today. And so why don't you guys go ahead and grab those notes that are on your seat. They grab that worship guide. Uh, we're a note-taking church. If you're new to Coastal, we believe in taking notes. We think it's important for you. We think it's helpful for you. Not only that, but I, we believe that God is going to speak to you. And the best way for you to remember that is to write it down. So we want to provide you with some avenues to be able to do that. And uh, we're, we're going to be beginning a brand new series today. But a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you, you know, every year we pray and we say, God, what is, what is kind of the theme of our church this year? Like, what is it that you're speaking to us as a body of believers? And, and I believe that God gave me a word for our church, and it's the word health. And that, that the goal for this year is that we would be the healthiest church in South Florida. And what that means is that if we're to be the healthiest church, it means that we have to be the healthiest individuals. That, that means we have to be healthy spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, relationally. Like, this is an overarching health that we have got to embody if we're going to make this our best year ever. And so there's been a prayer that I've been praying for all of you because I want to see this come to fruition in our lives. And it's come, it comes out of 3 John 2, and it says this, Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. And the goal for all of this is, is, here's what I know, is that health in your body, health in your emotions, health in your relationships, it all starts with your spiritual life. And if we're gonna make this our best year ever, it has to start with this being our best year yet spiritually. And so that's the goal over the next couple of months is that we're trying to set the tone for that to take place. And so we're beginning a brand new series today called I Need a Miracle. How many of you guys want to have a miracle in your life? Come on, show me your hands. Come on, a lot of people, every service, everybody's like, yeah, I, I, could, I could use a miracle. How many of y'all know some people that need a miracle in your life? Some other people, they're, don't, if they're sitting next to you, you don't have to elbow them. It's okay. And as I was thinking about this idea of like, I need a miracle. In fact, I had a whole nother message series kind of planned for this, but, but God really spoke to me because I think that most of us, what we want is a miracle, but what we need are actually the habits that God displayed while he was here on earth. Like, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you are only as healthy as your habits. Somebody needs to hear that again. You're only as healthy in life as your habits. And so you don't need a better New Year's resolution. What you need is better habits in your life. And what I've seen is that a lot of us, we have uphill hopes, but we have downhill habits. And so we have to switch around. And instead of talking about miracles that we want, we need to start talking about the habits that Jesus displayed on this earth, that where everywhere he went, miracles took place. And so I want us, instead of li living and dreaming for a miracle, what if we start living out the habits and lifestyle that Jesus had so that miracles are following our life. And it's not just a miracle in our life, but it's a miracle through our life that's impacted some other people. Sounds a whole lot better to me than me just being kind of, kind of just all about me, myself, and I. But I want us to establish 
A life where we're not depending on a miracle to save us, but we're depending on habits that will sustain us. And so I believe that over the next couple of weeks that we're going to learn some things that, and we're going to talk about some things that if we'll embrace them, will radically transform our, the culture of who we are and help us to look more and more like Jesus. Because here's what I know. We all admire his life and the way we, he lived and we want to be like him. But I've realized that if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you actually have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. See, we all want to experience his life. We just don't want to adopt his lifestyle. And that's the big rub right there. And, and Jesus, how he lived and how we live, they're actually pretty radically different. But he modeled a way of life that is, is so contrary to how we live today. He, he, he modeled a lifestyle where he slowed down, where he spent time with God, where he was in community and he was constantly dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. And if we're going to really understand the lifestyle of Jesus and we're going to experience miracles in our life. Here's what you need to do. If you want to experience a miracle, here's what we're going to learn about today. You got to slow down. It's not a real exciting topic today. Like nobody is excited about like, hey, slow down. Like some of you guys that are sitting there in Lighthouse Point right now, you can't even enjoy the service that you're in because you're thinking about, oh, here's what I gotta do today. Here's my honey-do list. I gotta go shopping here. I gotta pick this up. I gotta accomplish this. Some of you guys are frustrated right now because you're like, hey, buddy, bald dude that looks good. You need to... I I threw the look good in there, okay? You're just like, bald dude. Like, you need to pick up the pace here. I got places to be. I got things to do. Like, I noticed on this outline that you've only filled in two blanks and there's a whole lot more. Can you move a little bit faster? Come on, somebody. Am I talking anybody's language right now? It's like, hurry up and get on with it. Just say the point and we'll pray and we'll leave. No, no, no. God wants us to slow down because Jesus lived at a different pace than what we live at. And, and there's some scriptures and there's some stories that if you throw yourself into them, they will shock you. One of them is in John chapter 11. It says this in verse five. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now this is a story leading up to the death of Lazarus. It said, so when he heard, talking about Jesus, that Lazarus was sick. Now, now, now here's the deal. If you're my friend and you hear that I'm sick, I expect a phone call. Uh, like, I, I want you to send me an Uber Eats gift card. Uh, like, show up with some soup at my house. Like, help a brother out if you hear that I'm sick. But look at what Jesus does. He hears that Lazarus was sick, and it says he stayed where he was two more days. Like, if you read the Bible and you need to read it slowly at times, like, that's shocking. Like, if I was in charge and I would be like, Jesus, you have the ability to heal people supernaturally. Your boy is sick. Let's get there and heal this dude. And Jesus is like, nah. I'm going to stick here for like two more days. I'm going I'm I'm to go to the beach, go shopping at Sawgrass Mills Mall, you know, like, get some Gucci. You know, they're like, he's just extending his stay. Verse 17, it says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jesus. Now, I think this is interesting because everything that's in the Bible, like every word is there on purpose and for a purpose and with a purpose. And it says that Bethany was two miles from 
Jerusalem. Now, like, why is that important? Because if you were to go back to chapter 10 of John, you would see that Jesus is actually in Jerusalem doing ministry. Like, he's two miles away, a 30-minute walk for some really fast people, maybe like a 10-minute run. He's two miles away from somebody who needs a miracle, and he doesn't go and do it right away. Why? Like, there are things in the Bible you just like, why? And I've just realized that God's timing is better than your timing. It's better than my timing. And some of you guys are so frustrated and you're so angry with God right now because he hasn't shown up how you wanted him to show up and when you wanted him to show up. And, and, and let me just remind you here today that your story is not over. Just because you haven't seen the miracle yet doesn't mean that the miracle is not going to take place in your life. Just think about this. Jesus had the most important assignment on the planet and yet, he was never in a hurry. And so I hear, I hear the response from people, but Pastor Tito, you don't understand how much my job demands of me. You, Pastor Tito, you don't understand how, 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 how much stuff I have going on. You don't understand how many people are relying on me. I've always got to be running, 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 running. And I would say that your job is important, but not, not anywhere near as important as Jesus' job was. I would say people need you, but not as much as we all need Jesus. And in all of that, Jesus was never in a hurry. He was never restless. He was never anxious. He's like, he was never like, come on, guys, we got to get over here. Let me show you another passage that shows you Jesus' lifestyle. Mark chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Then a leader of a local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her and, and heal her so she can live. Now, now think about this. As a parent, this is what I know about every parent. When your child is sick, you will do anything to help them get well. Come on, parents. Isn't that true? Like, you will go bust down the doors of a hospital during the middle of COVID, kick it in, kill a doctor, and say, heal my child. Come on, moms, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you'll, you'll do anything for your baby. And this isn't a mom, this is a dad. And we know that they're helpless, but he finds something. To... <laughs> true statement right there. Come on, church, that's a true statement. Like, dads, we're awesome. We're just not that awesome, okay? Uh, but this dad, he's like, come on. Like, I've got a problem. Jesus, come with me. And, and, and look at what happens. Jesus is on his way, and the Bible says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. Now, this doesn't make sense to me. Now, in the midst of him going on his way, all of a sudden, in the middle of this story, this woman's story shows up, and it's basically an interruption. It's an interruption of what's going on, and Jesus actually stops, and he takes the time, and the Bible says that this woman, she touched the hem of his garment, and she was instantly healed. Jesus stops what he's doing. He goes, he's like, who touched me? Looking around, like, who did that? Like, there's, and his disciples are like, Jesus, there's like thousands of people here. We don't know who touched you. And all of a sudden, she comes forward in verse 33. It says, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. 
Like she didn't give the nuts and bolts version. She's like, let me tell you my entire story, Jesus. I started at age two. And you look at the story and you think, oh man, how amazing is it that Jesus cares so much about the details of this woman's story? And yet you forget that there is a dad that is frantic over here being like, okay, lady, spit it out. Cliff Notes version, Cliff Notes. Like, my daughter is sick. Let's go, Jesus. Like, you got your miracle. Let's get on to mine. Come on, isn't that the truth? When somebody else gets something awesome from God, you're like, that's great for you. Come on, Jesus, get over here on mine. Come on, get on this one. You're done with that one. Let's not stay there and linger any longer. Let's get over here. Verse 34, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid. Just believe. Some of you guys are in the midst of a moment and you are frustrated because Jesus hasn't done it. The miracle that you're looking for on your timeline that you thought he was going to do it on. And I just want to tell you and remind you that the miracle isn't done yet. So have some faith. He says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Like this was a lifestyle that Jesus had. This was a lifestyle where time and time and time again, Jesus just took his sweet old time all of the time. And let me just remind you that Jesus had the most important assignment on the planet, and yet he was never in a hurry. And I think this is a challenge for so many of us because we live in a day and an age where hurry is encouraged where hurry is celebrated. Like think about, it. hey, how are you doing? I'm just so busy, that's great. <laughs> keep grinding, keep working hard. Like I know that I, like, I, I'm always in a hurry. You ever go, go eat with me? I will be the first one done with every single course. Why, because I'm like, let's hurry up and get on to the next thing. Like TV shows on, on, on TV. I'm not gonna watch a TV show over a, over a season. Let that joker get on Netflix so I can binge it in a day. Like, I got things to do. Ain't nobody got time for an entire season over 36 weeks. I need it in one day, maybe two. Am I talking to the right people here in South Florida? Lighthouse Point, are you following me? Online, still in your boxers. You need to hurry up. So I want to find out and make sure I'm, I'm talking to the right people. So I, I've got a little quiz for you. And, and here it is. I, by a show of hands, let me know. If when you go to the grocery store, 
and you're getting near the end and you're getting ready to check out, when you get to the checkout lines, before you choose a line, you look and evaluate every single line that's out there and you count how many people are in it and you, based on what is going on in those lines, you choose your line based on the line that you think is gonna get you out the quickest. Raise your hands, come on, raise your hands. Okay, pretty much everybody except for one lady over there. Okay, she raised her hand out because I called her out. Okay, perfect. Uh, <laughs> Now, I want to know who the really sick people are. How many of you got, like, there's another level to this. Okay, we're going deeper in your psychology. Uh, how many people, after you have chosen your line, you look at the other lines and you find the person that would have been in that spot if you would have chosen that line and you evaluate and watch the entire time to see, make sure you got the right line. Come on, raise your hands. Come on, raise your hands. Okay, quite a few of you. Okay, so we, we've got a lot of broken people here. That's what that means. Lots of broken people here. Here's the issue, and we've got to lean into this, church. We've got to lean into this. Listen, we aren't healthy because we're always in a hurry. We aren't healthy because we are always in a hurry. It's because we're always going and going and going, and there's actually a term for it. It's in medical journals now. It's called hurry sickness. And here's the definition of hurry sickness. It's a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. It's nonstop. I gotta get here. I gotta get there. I've gotta hurry. I've gotta move. I've gotta get on the next thing. And I'm gonna get so focused on doing, doing, doing that you actually forget to actually live your life. And so what ends up happening is you end up missing out and all that God has for your life and the lifestyle that Jesus lived can make a huge impact on our lives. In fact, two years ago during our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I read this book by John Mark Homer called uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's a terrible book for my season, but uh, like I needed to read it. It's like, can I hurry up and get through this? I couldn't, but it's like, <laughs> but there, he, I, I read something in there that, that really challenged me. He, he said this, he said, hurry and love are incompatible. Hurry and love are incompatible. Think about that for a moment. Like, it's, it's nearly impossible to love well and be in a hurry at the same time. When I think about all of my worst moments as a husband, when I think about my worst moments as a pastor, when I think about my worst moments as a father, when I think about my worst moments as a friend, my worst moments as a leader, it's all in moments where I was fast-paced, I was rushing, my schedule was maxed out, and I wasn't very loving. And church, I want us to love well. I want us to love well, and I want you to make an impact in the world. And when you look at the life of Jesus, if, if, if you could evaluate the life of Jesus into one phrase, it would be this, Jesus was productive. And I think this is important because Jesus was productive. Some of you guys, you, you're just straight up lazy. You're like, I'm just going to sit back, and I'm going to chill, and God's going to do whatever he's No, no, no. Jesus had things to do, and he got those things done. Like, he was not unproductive in life. He accomplished a lot in the limited amount of time that he was here on earth. And, and God has created you to make an impact, to build that business, to build that family. Like, that is your calling. Like, you are to do those things and accomplish those things. And Jesus was productive, but listen to this. He was never rushed. 
He was never, ever rushed. There's a big difference between Jesus and our world today. You can make an impact on the world and not be rushed and not be hurried all at the same time. And I'm going to show you how to do this, but you're going to think about the situation that Jesus is in. He has called these 12 guys to be his disciples and imagine what's going on in their minds. I mean, this is where you got to put yourself in the story at times because he's called these 12 guys. They're following him. And then all of a sudden he starts performing these miraculous miracles. He takes five loaves and two fish and he multiplies them and feeds 20 to 25,000 people. You got to think that at that moment, the disciples are like, oh my gosh, guys, did you just see what this guy did? We've got to get him an agent. Like we got to get some bookings for him. Like we need to take him on the road and set up conferences for him. Make sure that people are there. Let's put him on the Oprah and Dr. Phil shows. Let's, let's get him out there. Hey, hey, we need to get back to Jerusalem for a book signing. And Jesus is like, I haven't even finished the book yet. You know, like they could have stacked his schedule like crazy. But Jesus modeled this lifestyle where you can be productive and not rush at the same time. And I want to challenge us with this. If we follow an unrushed Jesus, then we should be living an unrushed life. Listen, if we're following an unrushed Jesus, and our life is to reflect him, then we should be living an unrushed life. And I want to help you slow down today. Slow down and experience all that God has for you in this season. Your goal is not to just hurry through 2022. Your goal is to get everything out of this year that God has in store for you. Slow down and live a lifestyle like Jesus. I love what Corey Ten Boom says. She says, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. So for a lot of you, he's tried to tempt you with sin, and when that hasn't worked, what he's done is he tempts you with your schedule. And a lot of us, we're failing miserably when it comes to our schedule. So here's my encouragement, Coastal. Slow down. And I want to give you three benefits of slowing down that should challenge us here today. Number one is this. Slow down to be with God. Slow down to be with God. We're so busy consumed with doing stuff and getting stuff done and building that empire that we're missing out on the entire purpose of why God created you. And maybe you don't know why God created you, but God created you to be in relationship with him. It's the original intent in the Garden of Eden is that God wants to know you and God wants you to know him. And the only time you, only way you actually know him is to spend some time with him. Let me show it to you in the life of Jesus. Luke chapter five, starting in verse 15, it says, yet the news about him spread all the more. In other words, the ministry is growing, the ministry is uh, succeeding, the ministry is expanding. And in that moment, what did Jesus do? So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But look at Jesus' response to, to success. And I wanna talk to some people that are super successful in here. Because you think that the response to success is, I've just got to do more, I've got to accomplish more, I've got to achieve more in this moment because that's what you think success requires of you. But here is what Jesus' response to success was. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. So in the middle of everything that everybody always wants, Jesus didn't go like, let me go faster and dive in. 
which is what our world encourages us to do today, he actually took a step back and said, no, 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 in this moment, what I need more than more success is I need a deeper relationship with my creator. And so what does that mean for us? We have to actually be still and pause and seek God in the midst of it. And I've challenged you guys throughout this first month of the year Man, spend, give God 25 minutes a day. Spend five minutes in prayer. Spend five minutes in worship. Spend 10 to 15 minutes getting in God's word, getting to know him. Not only knowing his voice, but reading his voice, seeing his voice, listening to him, worshiping him. Like, give him that part of your day. And I know some of you are like, but, but TJ, I'm just so busy. Listen, if you're too busy to seek God, then you are just plain too busy. Just two, 25 minutes in your 24 hours, if you can't make that accomplished, then they, you've got too much on your plate and you need to start offloading some of those carbs. You need to start, like talking about last week, you need to start offloading some of that sugar, some of that extra stuff and start putting some proteins, start putting some things that will actually feed your soul. Because listen, you can make appointments all day long, but if you don't have an appointment with the creator of the universe, which should be the most important appointment in your schedule, you're missing out. Like make this a problem. Make getting in God's word every single day and spending some time with him a priority in your life. And so many of us are missing out on what God wants to do in our lives because we're so busy working on being productive and in a rush that we're missing out on actually being with God. There's a verse in Psalm 46.10 that just, it messes with me every time I read it. It says, be still and know that I'm God. Be still, which is super hard as you notice. I pace all around here. It's hard for me to be still. And know that I'm God. And you go, well, what does that mean? It means that we are going so quick in our lives that we don't recognize God. Like that situation that you're in right now that you're overwhelmed in. Like if you would just slow down for a moment, you would see that God is right in the middle of that situation. But you're so busy trying to get through it. You're so busy trying to accomplish. You're so busy just trying to get on the next thing. Do you miss the moment where God wants to meet you right where you are? You're so busy trying to get the next success that you don't see God in this success. You're so busy trying to get your kids raised that you miss out on the moments with your kids. In the moments that God wants to use you to speak into your kids' lives. So we gotta slow down and be with God. Number two, we gotta slow down and make a difference with people. We gotta slow down and make a difference with people. One of the greatest leadership lessons I've ever learned is from the leadership guru himself, John Maxwell. And he said this, and it, it changed my life. And he says, walk slowly through the crowd. Walk slowly through the crowd. Now, this is tough for me because I, I, I like to be quick. I, I have places to go. I have things to do. I have, I have tasks to accomplish. But everywhere you look, Jesus walked slowly through the crowd. In fact, I counted in Scripture. I started just reading, reading through the Gospels. I counted seven different places in, in Scripture where it says Jesus walked. He walked from this place. He walked here. He walked there. He walked everywhere. There is not one instance in Scripture where Jesus ever ran. Now, again, Jesus had the most important assignment on the planet. He didn't run to do a miracle. 
He didn't run to the cross, which was his ultimate purpose and destiny in life. He never ran. He walked. Why? The reason why he walked is because his whole ministry wasn't about doing things. It was always about the people he was going to encounter. Think about it. Mark chapter 2, verse 14. It says, as he walked along, what was he doing? He was walking. He saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. He said, follow me and be my disciple. So Levi got up and followed him. But I, I, I think there's way more to it. He was on his way to accomplish a task. And he sees a guy and he says, hey, what's your name? The guy's like, Matthew. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm a tax collector. Tell me about your family, Jesus said to him. He said, well, my dad's name is Alphaeus. He's like, oh, man, you're, you're Levi, son of Alphaeus, which would later be changed to Matthew. He's like, man, that's awesome. And he started striking up this conversation in the midst of where people were like, man, Jesus, come on. We got miracles to accomplish. He's like, no, no, no. The miracle that needs to be accomplished is the people I'm encountering. See, we think that success is something we build instead of someone we pour into because Jesus could have ran past the miracles and and the people would have been thought that those miracles are more important. But what Jesus understood is there is no success in life without a successor. So what was Jesus doing? He was investing in person after person after person. And some of us, man, we've gotten so busy building a business that we forgot about the people that are in our business. Some teachers out there, you're so busy building the lesson plan for the kids that you think, forgot that it's about the kids learning. And the situation that they're going through, you gotta walk slowly, you gotta slow down. It's when you slow down that you can actually make a difference. See, I wrote it down, you must slow down in order to see. Because I've just learned when you're passing by life at a fast pace, you miss out on a lot of details of life. You miss out on all the intricacies of what's happening around you because you're just, you're just trying to get to the next thing, so you're not noticing what's in the picture in this thing. And there's so many times in my life where I've just been going, going, going that I, I, I don't see the people. In fact, one of the stories that always reminds me of this is I got done preaching when we lived in Bradenton. And on our way home, we had to stop for gas. And as we pulled up to this gas station uh, to pump some gas, I, the, you know, when you use your credit card and it doesn't work right there and you get really frustrated because you have to go inside and pay. Anybody ever had that experience? I was so mad that I had to do that. And I, I went inside to pay and I was like, man, I, this is wasting time. And there was a guy outside and he goes, hey, man, can I have some money? And I was like, no. And I walked inside. Come on, how many of y'all have done that before? And I walked back out and I start paying for my gas. And, and, and like, it's in that moment, God's like, no, no, no. He's like, you're, you're a pastor and you just told somebody no? Like, what's your deal? You're supposed to be representing me. And so I was like, hey man, can you come over here real quick? I, I, I'm so sorry, I don't, I don't have much on me. I think I had a $20 bill at the time. And I said, hey man, what's your name? He said, my name is Bird. Okay, Bird, do you want me to call you Birdman? I don't want, you know, like, and uh, I said, man, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I had an instant reaction. Will you forgive me? Like, here, here's, here's $20. He said, thank you. He said, what's interesting is that I was just at your church service. And I was curious to see if you would actually live what you preach. And so many times, we have no idea the impact God is trying to have through our life. But we're so busy trying to get to the next thing 
that we miss out on this thing. And this is about people. Mother Teresa said it like this. She said, never be so busy not to think of others. And if there's a phrase that pays today, if there's a phrase that you need to remember today, it's that. We're just going, 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 and we got to slow down. We've got to recognize people that God puts right in front of you. In fact, I make it a, a point as a pastor. Our church is growing, and no matter what location I go to, I preach four services every weekend. I have a lot of vocal problems right now. If, you know, typically in this service, my voice is, is going a lot of times. And uh, doctors tell me I, I should actually, between every service, I shouldn't talk to anybody. But I make it a point to go out front and to listen to everybody's story, to hear what God is doing in their life. Because the most important thing that I can do is, is hear what God is doing and how he's moving in your life and how, how you started reading the Bible two weeks ago when I challenged you to and what that's done in your life and how God is speaking to you today. Because those are the things that, that keep me going as a pastor. Those, that's why we do what we do is the transformation of people's lives. And is it detrimental to my overall health? Yes, but it's, it's nourishment from my soul and it's worth it because I wouldn't change it for anything because people matter more than just about everything else. And so I've just learned that, man, that's, I'm going to give up something here because I want something there and I want God to move in your life. And I want to be a part of that process. Like I believe that, that like as pastors, like if you're a shepherd, you should smell like some sheep. Right? Like, I'm not going to go hide in a green room and not, not be with you because that's, like, why? Because people matter most. That's what this is all about. This isn't about a church service. This is about your life becoming closer and closer to the reality of this God that loves you so much. And you experiencing a relationship with him on a daily basis where you're being still and knowing that he's God and you have people that are seeing you right where you are and encouraging you and building you, laughing with you, celebrating with you, holding you accountable, all of those things. So we've got to learn to slow down and recognize people. Number three, we've got to slow down and enjoy your season. So we've got to slow down to be with God. We've got to slow down to make a difference with people. But can I encourage you today, church? Slow down and enjoy your season. Listen, life is so fast. Man, when I was in my 20s, I thought life couldn't go fast enough. And now that I'm in my 40s, I'm like, can life slow down a little bit? Like, it's just going so fast. Like, every time I go to write the date, I'm like, uh, February 6, 2020. Oh, nope, nope, it's 2022. Like, like, where'd the last two years go? And time is going so fast, and our tendency in our world today is let's go to the next thing. Let's go to the next season. It is, if you think about it, it's in all of our language. Because if you're single out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're a single person out there, everybody's asking you this. Hey, when are you going on a date? When are you going on a date? You got a date? When's your next date? And then once you get a date, they're like, when are you getting engaged? Is there engagement coming? What's, what, what, when's he going to ask you? When's, when, when's she going to ask you? Like, when, when, when are you getting engaged? And then when you get engaged, they're like, when are you getting married? When are you getting married? Can you hurry up and get married? And, and the moment you get married, they're like, when are you having kids? I'm like, uh, I, ha I just said I do. We, we haven't had sex yet. We're, we're Christians. Can't have kids without some other things happening. But they're asking, when are you having kids? When are you having kids? And, and then as soon as you have a kid, they're like, are you having more? They're like, uh, well, I just had this one. I don't know. That experience wasn't very great. I'm not really sure. You know. But they're like, how, how many more are you having? I don't know. I might be done. And then as soon as you say you're done with kids, when are they moving out? 
When they're moving out, you're like, hopefully soon. They're expensive, right? These diapers, they're, they're costing me a fortune. Like, can they, can they go? And it's always next, 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 next. But that's not how Jesus lived. Someone with the most important assignment on the planet was never rushed. Let me show you this verse in Matthew chapter 9. It's talking about the same story of Simon, who is, later becomes Matthew. It says, and it came to pass, referring to Jesus, he's reclining in the house. And if you look at that phrase right there, reclining in the house, it means that in the moment of the busyness, in the moment where people are like, man, there's another miracle to take place and another thing to do, Jesus is living in the moment. He's, he's popped a squat. He's laid back. He's got his boys around him. There's, the, the Bible says that there's sinners and tax collectors around him, basically a bunch of hoodlums. He's got, he's got like, it's like gangster hour with Jesus here. He has thug life across his, no, I'm just kidding. It's like, <laughs> but Jesus is just experiencing and living in the moment. Listen, so many of you guys, when you rush towards what's next, you miss out on what's right now. When you're rushing towards what's next, you miss out on the moment that's right here, right now. And maybe, just maybe, the Lord brought you to church today to give you two words. Slow down. Slow down. Because I don't know about you, but I have these moments where I look back and I was so just rushing and rushing and rushing through seasons that I missed moments that I could never get back. Like, I never enjoyed the moments because I was already, already thinking about, like, what is the next moment? Like, I was always thinking, I can't wait for, in church, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm learning right now how to enjoy the season I'm in. In fact, my, my personal word that God gave me for this year is this word grateful, thankful combination. It's hard to be thankful and grateful for what God is doing when I skip right past his current faithfulness for his future plans. And I'm just asking God, give me a grace for this season. Because in future seasons, I want to be able to look back and remember when and how awesome God was in that moment. Because if he did it then, he can do it now. And he'll do it in the future. Like, I love our church. I love what's happened. I love we launched Lighthouse Point here a month ago and what God is doing over there. I love the thousand plus viewers that watch online every single weekend in our church. I, I love Parkland, but it, there's not a single weekend 
that people don't come up to me and go, Pastor TJ, Pastor TJ, when's the building going to be done? When are we going to get in the building? And I'm just like, man, can I just preach a good message today? Like, I'm excited for the future, but I don't want to miss out on what God is trying to do right here, right now, in this moment, today. And Jesus just modeled this lifestyle of slowing down and enjoying the moment that God has you in. So can I give you an invitation today, church, to a world that is so fast-paced, so rushed and so busy. And here's the invitation. It comes out of a Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He said, come to me, all of you who are type A personalities. <laughs> Go-getters. says, come to me, all of you who, in reality, are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now, that word rest there doesn't mean vacation, because that's what a lot of us think when we think of vacation. But let's be realistic. When you go on vacation, when you get back, you need a vacation from your vacation. Because rest isn't found in some activity you do. Rest is actually found in a person. And his name is Jesus. And the rest that he's talking about isn't just a physical rest. It's actually a rest for your soul. He says, take my yoke upon you. He actually says, let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. And here's what you'll find. You'll find rest for your souls. I said earlier, my prayer is that you'll be in good health just as it is with your soul. And Jesus says, man, I want to give you rest for your souls. He said, for my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden that I give is light. Coastal, his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. So if you're striving and you're running today, slow down. Slow down and take an easy and a light burden from Jesus. Can we be still and actually know that he is God. You guys pray with me. God, my prayer is that we would be still and that we would, we would know that you are God in the midst of whatever we're going through right now. That you're God in the midst of the trial. That you are God in our future. That you're the God of our present. That you're in control and we can know and we can be still right now. That while the world may feel chaotic all around us, that we can remember that in Isaiah 41.10, that you say that we are upheld in your righteous right hand. God, would you help us to slow down? 
long enough to see you and meet with you right in the middle of our situation. God, I pray that you would encounter us right here and right now. With every eye closed and every head bowed. There's a group of you that have been running. You've been running. You've been running. Now, and you've been running. And I want you to know that you can be still. And know that God loves you. That he cares for you. That he has a plan for your life. That you haven't messed up too much and you haven't gone too far to experience that incredible plan that he has for you. That's you out there and you know that you need to get your right life with God. That the Holy Spirit is drawing you to surrender. To let go and lay your life down here today. To finally follow Jesus. It's time for you to give up your plans for God's plan and his lifestyle. Because you've been trying to work all these things out on your own. And you've come to the conclusion that as hard as you work, you still haven't been able to figure it out. See, because the things that we're looking for isn't something that you can achieve. It's something that you have to receive. It's a gift from God. It's the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It's the love of God that supersedes human love that is so contingent on somebody doing something or saying something continuously. But there's a God that loves you unconditionally. There's no conditions attached. In fact, the Bible tells us, for God so loved the world that he actually gave. He gave the ultimate gift of his son, Jesus. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have a life everlasting. The Bible actually says that if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. And some of you guys, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, you need to surrender your will and your way. You need to receive this incredible gift of peace and joy and patience and goodness. A pace of grace in your life today. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something that's an act of faith here. In just a second, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, you know what, Pastor TJ? I need to surrender my will and my way in exchange for God's will and God's way, the lifestyle of Jesus, a life of surrender to the one who made it all. That's you. On the count of three, if you just slip your hand up, we'd love to pray a simple yet significant prayer with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip those hands up. Yes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Don't miss your moment. Eight. Yes, I see you there. Nine. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, back there. Ten. Thank you. If you'll pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud, say, God, thank you for loving me so unconditionally, for giving the ultimate gift of your son to come to this earth and live a perfect life, the life that I couldn't attain, and die a sinner's death, the death that I deserve. God, I ask you to forgive me of all my screw-ups, all of my mess-ups, what we would call our sins. Come into my heart, take over. I surrender my will, I surrender my way. God, I adopt 
the lifestyle of your son, Jesus. God, fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience. God, give me the pace of grace that's been so lacking in my life. God, help me to follow you and your will and your ways all the days of my life. I love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.